we're going to turn our Bibles to the book of Acts. And we're going to go to Acts chapter, if you see chapter 3, you'll see what happened. And then we're going to go to Acts chapter 4. So let's just go to Acts chapter 3. I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but I encourage you to read Acts chapter 3. So if you just look at Acts chapter 3, we'll see some important verses we'll just read. Important means important to what God wants to speak at this hour. Every verse is important. But what God wants to speak at this hour, whichever verse that God wants to pick and say, I'm going to just focus on this now. The rest you read on your own. That's what we're going to do. So we're going to spend time on those things. And then what God wants to speak to us when it comes to healing, whether healing from asthma, whether healing from, you know, tumor, whether healing from, you know, cancer, you know, we've seen all kinds of healing, whether healing from deafness, blindness, muteness, you know, healing from Asperger's. We have a whole bunch of healings that God has done in our midst right here, because our God is the God who raises the dead. He is the God of the impossible. So when we look at, we look at the Bible, when Jesus healed, he healed all manner of diseases. There was nothing that God was not able to do. But at the same time, when he went to certain towns, he was not able to do a single miracle there because, especially his hometown, because they are full of unbelief. So what really stops us from receiving the healing comes, you know, that comes from God. It is unbelief. And I want to say one more thing here. I saw this posting some time back and um, I actually took a screenshot of it and I kept it here. I want to start with this as the Spirit of the Lord wants me to. So I'm just going to go there for a minute and I want to read this so you get an idea of what is prayer. And let me just read this. Okay. What is prayer? What people think prayer is, and when they come to God, they think that, okay, okay, this is something that someone posted some time ago. This is what it says. Never limit your prayers. The the sad part is there's no scripture to it. People think that they can ramble on and post something, and it's not just their thought. It's a demonic spirit that's behind the writings of a lot of people and postings and people keep sharing and sharing and sharing and sharing and sharing because it's the false message that the enemy wants to spread to people so that they'll never get what God has for them. They will never inherit what God has for them because there are criteria that God has. It's very important. He who comes to God must believe that he is. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We must believe that he is, he is what? The omnipotent, the omniscient, the omnipresent. This is who our God is. So we have to believe that this is who he is, that he is the Lord and he is our Lord. Then he rewards those who diligently seek him. So who are the people that God rewards? That means who are the people that God answers? Those who diligently seek him. That means those who really go after God for something. So this is what this person, whoever it is, has posted Never limit your prayers because you think you're sinful or undeserving. You're not praying because of who you are. You're praying because of who he is. Now, the question is, is he hearing? That's the question. It's not about whether we're just rambling on. Is it reaching him? What has he said in his word about prayer? Whose prayers that God hears? And whose prayers does he answer? How to really get our answers from God. 
something that we have to know. Never limit your prayers because you think you are sinful or undeserving. So what they're saying, don't limit because you're sinful, undeserving. Good. So far, because anyone can call into the name of the Lord. But the next part is where I have a big problem with, because it completely goes against what the scripture says. You're not praying because of who you are. You're praying because of who he is. That's a big problem. It is you're praying because of who you are. I'm praying because I'm his daughter. I'm praying because he's given me the right to come and stand before him. I'm praying because I trust in him. I'm praying because I know who he is. I'm praying because he knows who I am. He hears and he answers the prayers of those who diligently seek him. We say that we're praying because of who he is. We have to understand. We don't want him to turn on and say, who are you? By the way, who are you? Whose side are you on? He needs to know us and we need to know him. Jesus said this, if a son asks for bread, will your father give him a stone? Your heavenly father knows what you need even before you ask him. Your heavenly father will give you good gifts. Your heavenly father, heavenly father. What kind of relationship is that? Father-child relationship. Father-child relationship. And that father-child relationship goes strictly on the basis of his covenant contract. Where the Bible says those who were not obedient to God, that Jesus said this, the children of the kingdom, the sons of the kingdom, where were they? They were cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. God is speaking to our hearts today. If we have to really get answers from God, you know, God hears when, you know, a drunkard is somewhere saying, oh, God, help me. Or somebody who's about to die, they saying, God, help me. And I will live for you. God helps them. You know why? Because they're saying, Lord, I will live for you. We have to understand that there's something to it. God is looking for. God is never going to embolden us in our sin. God is never going to say, well, you know, I'm just somebody, you know, whoever asks, I'm going to be giving and I will send you straight to hell because I don't care about your soul. No. God cares about our souls. He's a good parent. We first of all need to be his children in order to be eligible for the blessings that come from the blood of Jesus that Jesus shed on the cross. There is this covenant blessing that God has for all those who are within that covenant relationship. And how can you keep yourself within the covenant relationship? We walk by faith. How do you keep yourself within the covenant relationship? We live in the spirit, how do you keep yourself in that covenant relationship? By not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. How do you keep yourself in that covenant relationship? By not walking according to the ways of this world. Because God says, friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whosoever is a friend of this world is an enemy of God. Think about it. We have to be very careful. We are praying because... He has given us that access through his blood, Jesus, to go to the Father because of his blood, because we are not abusing his blood, because we are not trampling his blood, because we are esteeming his blood, because we have faith in his name. How do you know you have faith in his name? If you read the book of James, you'll know. If your life is not walking 
if your life is not in line with the word of God, if you're not walking according to the word of God, then you don't have faith in him. Because even the demons say that, I believe in Jesus. You know what? They go an extra step, they tremble. There are many, many Christians who say that they believe in Jesus have no fear of God whatsoever. And they spread lies like these that have been spewed from the mouth of Lucifer. And you have a whole bunch of people who live a life that is outside the kingdom of God. And they think that they are in when they're out. That's the worst place to be in. When you think that you are in, but you're out. Because you don't know the word. And God's word says, my people, they perish because of lack of knowledge. Oh, his people are perishing. Can his people perish? Yes. Every day they're perishing and going to eternal darkness, eternal death. We need to know the word of God. Who will get their prayers answered? Those who walk with him. Those who hear his word and do his will. The fervent, effectual, or the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Whose prayers will get answers from God? The Bible says the fervent, effectual prayer of who? A righteous person will produce great results. Such prayers God hears. So it's important first to walk by faith, which is do the work of God, which is obey the word of God, which is give time to the word of God, which is to follow the word of God, which is to follow Jesus Christ. If I say I'm following Jesus Christ, but I have no time for his word, I have no room for his word, then I'm not following Jesus Christ at that point. So I'm not one of his. So we need to be one of his in order to be partakers of what God has for us. It's only the disciples Jesus had, and he talked to them about the interpretation of the sower and the seed and the parables and the important things that God did not reveal to the rest of the people. There were important things that God taught his people, his own disciples, because they were the ones who were committed to him. So who will get all the blessings that God has for them? Not anyone who's just walking and saying, I believe in Jesus, who I love him too, and he loves me, and I know that I loved him as a child, and I love him too, even now. No. God will say, who are you? Lord, Lord, we did this in your name. Lord, Lord, once upon a time I did this. Lord, Lord, once upon a time I prayed. Lord, Lord, once upon a time I went to us. Lord, Lord, once upon a time I had this testimony. God said, well, who are you? I don't know you. Does God know us? God knew Job. The devil knew Job. People around him knew Job. God must know us. God knows every human being in this world in the sense that he sees that they're doing right and wrong and, and they are living for him. They're living for Satan and God knows everything that's happening. But the knowing that God is talking about is an intimate relationship. That he knows you as his own. He knows you as his own. He knows you as his own. This is my beloved. May God speak to our hearts at this hour. For those who delight in him, 
the Bible says, he rejoices over them with singing. He's so happy about them. When he hears about them, when he sees them, God says that he's so happy that he rejoices over them with singing. He's so happy when he thinks about them. He's so happy. You know, when you see a baby, all of a sudden you just lose yourself in the child. You start singing, you start dancing, you start, you know, speaking baby language, you start singing songs in baby language. All of a sudden, no matter who you are, you call that love and joy. When we please God, God is pleased with us. When he's pleased with us, he sings. When God sings over us, imagine how it'll be. It won't be like something that has no meaning. No, when he sings over us, he's so happy he sings blessings over us. When he's joyful over our lives, we're blessed exceedingly. So whose prayers will be answered? The prayers of those who believe in God and therefore they fervently pray. They believe in God, therefore they live a righteous life because they know God sees me and I love him. How can I do such a sin against God? Who said this? Joseph said this. Because he believed that God is seeing him. It's not that, okay, God is going to hit me on my head. No. His love for him and reverence for him, the deep reverence for him, did not make him cross that line. Whatever enticement that was it, he did not want anything to do with it. Because for him, it's like, I can't do anything against this God because he's the most important for me in my life. And to such a person, God will fulfill whatever he has spoken. To such a person, God will hear them. That's why Joseph was sitting in prison and he's in, he was interpreting dreams. God was communicating with him. He was communicating with God. He was someone who was so closely acquainted with God, even in the prison. So, so have this as your base and know that if my prayers need to be heard, God's word says in the book of Psalms, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So in order for God to really hear us, I'm not talking about someone who doesn't know God and, and they say, Lord, um, you are the true God. You reveal yourself to me and I will follow you. As I told you about the condition. When you say that I will follow you, God will come and do something for you. But I'm talking about people who know God. Simply saying, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me with no repentance. God is not going to do anything for them. But when that repentance comes and say, Lord, I will follow you for the rest of my life. Lord, forgive me for not following you. Lord, I'm putting away my sins. Repentance is turning away from sin and turning towards God. Repentance is not just saying sorry. Repentance is more than sorry. Repentance is forsaking our sins. The Bible says whoever confesses his sins, whoever confesses his sins and forsakes them will receive mercy from him. So how's that mercy coming? The mercy comes from our repentance. When we repent, that means we turn away from us when we forsake it and turn towards God. Then the mercy of God covers us. The mercy of God empowers us to live a holy life. So when we put away sin, God will hear us when we call on him on a regular basis. He will answer us speedily. I'm going to take you to the book of Acts now. 
Let's go to Acts chapter 3. Please pray this prayer after me. Lord, open my eyes to see your truth. Lord, open my ears to hear your truth. Lord, open my mind to receive your truth. Lord, open my heart to keep your truth. Let me be a doer of your word and not a hearer only. Let me bring forth much fruit to the praise and glory of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Speak, Lord. I will listen and obey. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. We're going to read this first, and then we're going to see how the Lord leads us from here. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Praise be to God. So we read from verses, verse one, all the way to verse 10. We see specific things written here by the Spirit of God for us to know how God operates. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. How God operates, how we operate, and how people operate. That means we means God's people. God is God, how God operates, heaven comes under that, and how we operate, God's people in the earthly realm operate, believers, and how others, outsiders, outside the kingdom of God operate. When it comes to heaven's work, when it comes to the supernatural realm coming down to this earth, to do something heavenly. Here we see God is moving. Heaven is moving. Heaven's movement is linked together with Peter and John. That's where God's operation. 
God is operating through Peter and John, and in this case, primarily through Peter. God is working through Peter here, and Peter is the extension of Jesus Christ, the hands and the feet and the mouth and everything, bodily form. The power of the Lord Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit is in Peter. As Peter and John were going to the temple, specifically led by God at noontime, there's a man who is there every day. He has been coming there. Every day somebody brings him and he, they drop him there and he sits there. And what is his job? His job is to beg every day. Oh, look at me. I don't have legs and I can't walk and I can't work and have mercy on me. Give me some money. And what they do, whoever shows pity on him, when they go to the temple, they say, okay, we want to do some good deeds and let's throw some, you know, coins for him. And they give him some money and they go. So this is how every day he was coming there. Every day somebody would come and drop him off there. And he will beg and he lived his life by begging. This was his routine. Now, Peter and John, they're going to this temple and the Spirit of God had a work for Peter to do that day. The Spirit of God had mercy on this man who was there. God was going to visit him. He didn't know what was going to happen to him. This was divine visitation, divine appointment of God for this man through Peter who was carrying the anointing of God. So when I say God's work or God's movement, Peter is included in that because heaven is an operation. When God works, God can send angel Gabriel or God can send Peter. The bottom line is both come from the presence of God carrying the power of God. Angel Gabriel stands before God and he carries the presence of God to the people of God, to Zacharias, you know, um, Daniel or to Mary, wherever God sends that angel with his message. The angel of God is the messenger of God. He just doesn't come and give information. He carries the power of God. We see what happened in the, in the life of Zacharias. He came and he gave good news. And when unbelief came in, that angel carried the power to make Zacharias mute. He said, from now on, you shall not speak. Why? Because when you speak, what are you speaking? You're speaking words of unbelief, Zacharias, that'll cancel out what God wants to do for you. So I'm doing you a favor. Shut your mouth and I'm shutting it out right now. He closed Zacharias' mouth because Zacharias was not speaking God's language. He was speaking Satan's language at the point. Even though he was a righteous man, he did everything God told him to do. He gave room for unbelief at that time. You know how unbelief comes in? When you open the door. As the angel of the Lord Gabriel was speaking to Zacharias. Guess who would have been speaking to at the time? The devil. Oh, I don't think it's going to happen, Zacharias. And, you know, you're old and your wife is old. And and um, this is not going to happen. What did he do while hearing the message of God? What, what, what was he doing while the messenger of God was speaking? He was also hearing Satan speaking. What you give room to when God is working is very important. God is speaking at this hour. While God is working, while God is sending his messenger who carries the power of God, who carries the word of God, who carries the anointing of God. And while that is being released, Satan will come and say, well, this is not for you. Well, you're not the one. It's probably for somebody else. Well, you know, this is not going to happen for you. It's been too long and and this is not the way God does it. And I don't think it's going to happen right now. Maybe it's another time and maybe it's not going to be too soon. And what will he try to do? When he knows that this is your time, that's when he'll bring seeds of unbelief. Understand this. 
Anytime Satan knows that God is about to do something in your life, God is about to do something big in your life, it's because of that he will bring thoughts of unbelief. It's because of that. When he knows that God wants to give you something, he'll want to take it away from you. Because of that, he'll bring all kinds of thoughts. How many of you have all had experienced this? While you're in church, while you're praying, you'll have all kinds of thoughts coming. While you're in church, you can get an attack mentally. While you're in church, you can get distracted and you'll just miss that most important thing that happened or that sentence that just came. While you're on live streaming, while you're participating in what God is doing, suddenly your mind will start wondering, who is doing that? The enemy knows, oh, this is something big that is about to happen. So all hell is out to take away what God has for you. So he'll come and distract you. He'll come and say, oh, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. And he will come and say all kinds of things to keep you from doing the will of God, which is receiving what God has for you, that miracle that God has for you, the deliverance that God has for you. So in Zechariah's case, that's what happened. Where the enemy came and brought words of unbelief and what happened at that time? He gave into that and he spoke what he heard the devil speak instead of speaking what God spoke through the angel Gabriel. How many times have you done that? God will be giving you a word and all of a sudden say, I feel this way. He's speaking to you something. What is Satan working through? He's working through your body. He's working through emotions. He's trying all these things. But what should we be paying attention to? What our body says, what our mind says, because what is what is the body and the mind moved by? It is moved by the demonic spirits if it is going contrary, contrary to whatever God is saying. So when God is saying something, I have something for you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do this for you. When God speaks to you, or when the Lord says, you need to get out of this, I'm going to give you the power. Say, oh, no, I've been sitting here for so long, it's impossible for me to come out. And my mom had this, my grandfather had this, my grandmother had this, my dad had this, you know, they all had, and they all died prematurely, or they all had, you know, heart attacks, and, you know, they all had, you know, this and that, and and, and this runs in our family, and I do have it, and I'll probably have it. And If you let the devil speak into your life, you will begin to speak Satan's language. If you begin to speak Satan's language, God's work will not be accomplished in your life. No matter what God wants to do for you, it will just come to a standstill. You will hit that dead end. And that dead end is caused by you, not by God. It's not even caused by the devil. The devil will just have to whisper a little bit and you put that roadblock. You help him. If he brings a big brick or a big, big log to put inside, put in front of you so that you don't go past that, Many believers say, when Satan brings it, say, give it to me, I'll put it. And they block themselves from going forward. And God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. You don't block yourself from moving forward. If you block yourself from moving forward, no one can help you, not even God. You know why? Because your will is involved. You have to remove that block, which you put. So whatever you have put in front of you to block yourself from what God can do, you have to take it. That's the way you put it. You have to take it out of your life. God is speaking to your hearts this hour. Zacharias was stopped by God Almighty. We have a wife who's full of faith. He was also doing good. But what happened suddenly? He suddenly started listening to this voice of unbelief. He had faith and that's why he was praying before. And that's why his prayer was heard. What happened to you now, Zacharias? You paid attention to Satan. Suddenly, Satan needs only one second time. Understand that. Less than one second time. You give him room for one word to speak. 
he will speak a thousand words in one word, within one word. And in less than a second, he can completely erode your faith if you let him do that. You should be a believer who truly believes in God, who says, there's no room for the voice of Lucifer in my life. There's no room for unbelief in my life. So anytime Satan brings a thought, you have to say, get out, you unbelief in Jesus' name. I have no room for unbelief, no room for doubt, no room for fear, no room for any kind of garbage that comes from Satan. Peter, moved by the Spirit of God, full of the anointing of God, under the unction of God, he sees this man who has been sitting for so long, and he's looking at him, and he's telling him this. He said, look at us. That means, look at me, because he's going to say something important. He wants him to receive what God is about to dispatch through him. So he's saying, look at us. So when the man looked at him intently, the man is saying, okay, he's probably going to give me something. He's saying, look at me, because not everyone who passes by stops. Yeah, sometimes someone say, well, I gave him last week. I gave him last month. I'm not going to give him. Let somebody else give him. So not everyone who passes by, they're going to give him something. So Peter says, look at us. He's eagerly looking, thinking, okay, he's going to give me something, which is true. He was going to give him something, but little did he know that his life was going to be changed for good. There are God moments in your life that will come unexpectedly, that will come suddenly. It is important for you to make contact with the Spirit of God, make contact with the anointing of God that God will release through His anointed vessels. It's very important to know that I need to be available to God when He works in me so that I can be made whole. My kids can be made whole. My family can be made whole. So it's very important to be where God is working. Now, Peter looked at him and he said this, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Now you have some kind of faith in operation where he says, okay, I'm going to get something. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. Very important here. Peter had something substantial to offer. I cannot give to someone what I don't have. I can only give to someone what I have. Peter was full of the Holy Spirit. He was carrying the anointing of God, the healing anointing of God. And he was able to give it to that man. He was able to say, I have something. I'm going to give that to you. It's far greater than silver or gold. And now what did he do? What did Peter do? Peter is doing something here. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. In that command, it's the anointing that is coming through that sentence. It's not simply anyone simply saying the name of Jesus. There's the anointing of God that carries a sentence because the Spirit of God now is speaking through Peter when he says, rise up and walk. When that command came, something happened to this man. He's just looking at him. Peter takes him by his right hand. Now, this man is not saying that, what are you trying to do? No, there's this faith that is being imparted into this man during that time. And Peter, the man of God, with his anointed hands, touches this man. What is happening? The anointing 
from his words that went into him that imparted faith. Now the anointing from his hand is transferring upon this man's body while he touches him and lifts him up. When that contact takes place, something goes straight into this man's body. Now, as we heard Carlene testimony and many of you who have felt the power of God during worship, when the word is coming, you feel this electricity go, you feel this tingling go, you, you know, you feel the heat go. And even those of you far away, as far as Australia, as Avni's mother-in-law felt and got healed of her uh, a knee or leg problem she had. And as far as Middle East, Divya got healed from the blood disorder. The power of God is so real. It cannot be limited by time or space. God is so powerful. But when that anointing, that contact takes place, how how does that happen? Is the Spirit of God moving, transferring through that point of contact? When the man touches the hand and he's being pulled up, guess what happens with Peter's hand and that man's hand? This man's faith makes contact with Peter's hand where the power of God comes. And when he's pulling him up, he's not saying, hey, don't do that, I'm going to fall. No, he also rises up with him. That's where faith is very important. When God does some things, Peter didn't say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, and he just didn't walk away. He made sure, and the man also made sure, that he's doing what he's being told to do. So there's a command, there's a help, and along with the help, the man makes use of the help. His faith is getting mixed with Peter's anointing, and he rises up, and suddenly what happened? The man's feet and ankles became strong all of a sudden. That which was weak, that which was lame, all of a sudden it just straightened out. Something happened. The man who was lame, who was not able to walk, started walking. This is the connection God wants you to understand. Very important. Being where God is working, at the time where God is working, it's step number one. And mixing your faith with what God is doing, when he is doing, is step number two. When that anointing of God is released, it is very important to receive by faith. And what you receive by faith, you show with it you receive by faith by acting upon it. Like this man had to stand up. He said, well, Peter spoke in perhaps, you know, within the next week or the next two weeks. Somehow when I feel like I can get up, when I feel that I'm able to, when I feel some little bit of strength in my legs, I'm going to somehow try a little bit by a little bit. No. When God does his work, you know it in your spirit. When God does his work, you know that it is done. When the Spirit of God releases the anointing of God through the servant, what happens? You make contact with it by faith. When that happens, something happens deep inside of you. There is a spiritual knowing that takes place right inside of you. In your spirit, you know that I am healed. That's it. Nobody can convince me out of it. You know why? There's a deposit that is taking place in my body. I know something has happened. And what's the next thing you need to do? Do what you were not able to do before. That's what we heard from Thaya's testimony. Do what you're not, when you did what you were not able to do, it's at that moment you actually experience what was already given. That's what faith is. Faith is not like, well, let me kneel down and see if I'm cramping still. That is unbelief. There are some people, you know, who do that. God would have released a healing. They'll say, well, I'm going to see if I still have pain. Oh, no. When you do that, you're not going to receive what God has done. You know why? 
you are expressing unbelief. You're expressing unbelief and not faith. You have to not see if you still have pain. You have to believe that I have no pain and you're going to expect no pain. That's what faith is. So he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Faith makes contact with the anointing of God. The spirit of God, according to his divine appointment, met this man and made him whole. The anointing of God that was in Peter touched this man. Peter gave to this man what he had, which is the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he carried. Now, heaven's role in a person's healing. When I say heaven's role, it's God's role. And God's not like all of a sudden Jesus appeared to this man and Jesus healed him. No, it's the spirit of Christ through the spirit of the Holy Spirit working through Peter, his anointed vessel of God, the apostle. So when it's heaven's role, it's Peter's role. Peter is with Jesus, co-laboring with him from heaven, where he's received the authority and the anointing. And through the Spirit of God working in him, he's going where the Holy Spirit wants him to and do what the Holy Spirit wants him to. And that's how the healing takes place. So heaven's work. So when... Peter carried the anointing of God. He knew that this man was going to get healed. He had that faith and he had the supernatural movement. He was not acting according to his flesh. Where saying, let me see if I'm going to get him up. And uh, what if Lord, if I pick him up and he falls and if he doesn't get him? No, this was like a instant push from the spirit of God because the man was full of the Holy Ghost, full of the anointing of God. And he was moving according to the spirit of God. So you see the results. You see that he really had the healing anointing. He was not simply saying, well, I don't have silver gold, you know, because I can't give you any monies, but I can just offer a prayer for you. And perhaps you can get healed. Maybe you will, maybe not. I don't know. Okay, everything depends on your faith. And if you don't get up, it's not me, it's you. And bye. No. He knew what he was about to do. Because he was a genuine anointed vessel of God. He carried that healing power and he was able to say, therefore he was able to say, I'm going to give you what I have. And he gave him the healing power that made him whole in the name of Jesus. We need to understand that. So the anointing of God combining with the name of Jesus brought that healing over there. People needed to know the name of Jesus. This healing testimony became a big access point. See, when people get healed, a lot of people can come to Jesus. That's why it's so important for people to get healed. Not only will their tears be wiped away, but eternally something can be done for them and for others around them. That their soul can be spared from eternal tears. So, heaven's involvement in the life a man, which is God's servants, God using in the life of human being. And then a person's involvement, that believer's involvement. How do you get healed? How do you receive that anointing when that anointing of God is released? To get healed. That's your involvement. When you come to the house of God or come to a meeting like this, suddenly God does something. There are days when God healed people with toe fung, you know, fungus or, or healing in their feet or 
healing in their shoulders or different types of different healings. Or other times there'll be stomach healing and sometimes it's a head and different times, different healings. And last week it was a different type of healing. So it is the Spirit of God who decides what he's going to dispatch, what that menu is going to be. This is what I'm going to do today. So we need to be there where God is working. We want to know when he's going to, going to do what. And it's important for us to be where God is working so that it'll be our day one day suddenly. So the role of a believer is to believe when God does something. To really position themselves in a way where we can receive what God has. So a heaven's involvement, your involvement, and then as a result of the miracle that you will receive, the involvement of those around you in your healing, which is they're all going to give glory to God. And their skeptics will always be there, used by the devil. And we are living in a real world where there's a war that is constantly going on between heaven and hell, light and darkness. So when God does something to rescue people, then heaven will say, no, I'm not going to let you go. We'll always have that opposition. But when God is on the move and you are on the move with him, you can bring all those whom you can bring through the work of the Holy Spirit in order to, in order to block, you know, you can always do what God wants you to do in order to block what the enemy wants to take. So when, when God is doing something in your life, the enemy will come and he will put a firm no, or he will come and say, I'm going to stop this work of God. He will try to do that. But can he ultimately succeed is the question. No, he can't. So as you just go through this, few more verses from here. This is done. We're done with chapter three. We're going to switch to chapter four now. A few more minutes and we're going to conclude for tonight. If anyone thinks that it's getting too late, know that I have a lot of things to do more than you do. And I'm staying here so that you can be blessed. So Acts chapter 4, verse 1 onwards. So after this big miracle that took place in chapter 3, in Acts chapter 4, you see, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Now they all know what happened here. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. You see this. This is revival. There's a substantial healing that is taking place. Because of that, the Bible doesn't say, well, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and you know, all the seas out there, all of them believed in the name of Jesus. And so now the whole nation or the entire town or entire city, they all built a, a church and they had a big healing crusade. No. When God is on the move, Satan will oppose the move of God with everything that is within him. This is war. Serious business. But God shows his power. So what happens? 
they took Peter and they took John and they put him in prison. Did God stop them from being put in prison? No, he did not. God let the enemy to go so far, but not further. So as these two apostles who just raised this crippled man up, Peter, he is being put in prison along with John. He didn't stop them from doing it. The people didn't stop this from happening. God didn't stop it from happening. When you do the right thing, remember, you will face opposition when you do the right thing. If you're not doing the right thing, you won't face much because Satan will actually fund you. When you really do the right thing, that's when you really have to pray. That's when you really have to pray for this to work, that to work, for God to provide, for this to happen, for the opposition to go. You have a lot of praying, laboring when you're doing the right thing. When you're not doing the right thing, you know, like, hey, let's just have some pizza fellowship and let's have some fun night and let's, you know, you know, have some games and let's do this. And Satan says, hey, I'll send the entire town there. You'll have the whole town to come and eat. Well, they do. They'll all come eat and play and go. Satan is very happy. Hey, get more money. Have more people contribute. Give more food. Let them all eat. Where are they going? Straight to hell. Not a single life has changed. And if somebody says, I received Jesus. And they say, oh, 10 people gave their hearts to Jesus. Where's the change? What happened to them? Still the same. Oh, they come to the Bible studies. And after that, they go and live their immoral lifestyle. Well, they come and read their Bibles. And then they go and do the same thing. What's the difference? Nothing has been changed on the inside. When the Son of Man sets a person free, they're free. That means the old is gone. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has begun. So, Peter and John did the will of God. Now, what are they facing? Opposition. Satan says, oh boy, you came to my place and you are a threat to me. I'm going to lock you in. Satan thought if he locks them in, God's word won't flourish, but God added 5,000 people. He said, there you go, Satan. God's work has already begun. The spirit of God is on the move. The man of God did what he had to do. Now it's spreading like wildfire. Nobody could stop that. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. This is a big headache, and let's just see. They need to call, call a meeting. That's how serious these two people, disciples, now apostles, brought the power of God to this area where Satan was very, very, very terrorized by the truth. So he says, I need to have a meeting. And as the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. There's another part that the Holy Spirit wanted me to emphasize. 
Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that Peter stood there and started speaking in tongues out loud. No. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not speaking in tongues. Remember, speaking in tongues is one of the expressions of the Spirit of God. And it's a prayer language given by God when it's not the gift of tongues. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is suddenly the anointing of God that was upon Peter moved him to speak. That means whatever he's speaking now, it's not Peter speaking. It is the Holy Spirit speaking. Peter under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Peter under the operation of the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, he gives a message over there. He says, now, look at this man. How did he get healed? Know this. This is how it happened. It's the name of Jesus, but the power that came from him. There's something that has happened to Peter. Peter is full of the anointing of God. And with that anointing, now he's speaking and he's giving this whole speech over here. You can read these verses below that scripture on your own. Now, when verse 13, let's go there. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Something powerful. Something powerful. It's not, oh, two scholarly guys. They, they knew that who they were. But this is extraordinary that is taking place here. Oh, they were with Jesus. Now, Jesus was powerful and these guys are just like him. This should be your testimony. They had been with Jesus. Question for you is, how much time are you spending with Jesus? Are you with Jesus? If you are with Jesus, then you are going to be like him. If you are with Jesus, then you are going to have an impact in your society just like them. May God speak to your hearts at this hour. They saw the power of God in their lives. They were astonished because this is not these ordinary men speaking. Who was speaking through Peter? The Spirit of God was speaking through Peter there. But since they could see the man who had been healed suddenly, very important here, standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Very important. The power of God in Peter Speaking through him, the power of God in Peter healing the lame. People who see an outstanding miracle right in front of them, their mouths will be shut no matter what skeptic the man is, no matter who they are, no matter what kind of an atheist one could be. When you see a dead man come back to life, when you see a crippled man raised, when you see something substantial take place, healings, like we heard so many testimonies today. When people outside see what God has done, they can't say anything against the power of the Almighty God. It's important for people to see what God has done for you. That's why testimony is important. God's people need to see. That's what happened today. Outside people need to see too. This man who was healed, who was not just standing now in the synagogue, and he was not just standing among the Christian people who got converted from Judaism. 
He is now there in the open, standing as a living testimony. Look at me. Look what God did through Peter in me. I am healed. And people who saw this man, their mouths were shut. They couldn't say anything against what Peter was preaching because God was backing up everything Peter was preaching through signs and wonders. And what Peter was preaching was not Peter's preaching. It was the Holy Spirit speaking through Peter. Then Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, spoke this. Who spoke that? The Holy Spirit. Who did the healing? The Holy Spirit. Through Peter. So Peter did the healing. Peter spoke. But it's the anointing of God upon Peter, who spoke through Peter, who healed through Peter. So for you today is, when such a thing happens from the pulpit, when the Spirit of God speaks through the anointed vessel of God, whoever that is, when the genuine anointing of God is in operation, the Spirit of God is speaking and He's saying, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do this or this is going to happen this year or this is going to happen this month or this is going to happen this next season. How many of you really take it seriously because it is from the Holy Spirit? And how many of you really believe it that this is for you? And how many of you have been healed have gone to unbelievers and have told them that this Jesus has done this for me? Or are you mute? You can be healed physically, but you can be mute spiritually. You can be healed physically, but you can be crippled spiritually. Don't do that, because that's doing injustice, disservice to the kingdom of God. This man was standing there in the open as a living testimony. Yes, 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 yes. Peter came and gave me what he had, and what he had was Jesus of Nazareth. Are you able to say that? Are you able to stand up and say, I went to this El Betel International Ministry. This pastor prayed for me and I got Jesus and Jesus did this for me. This Jesus does this every day. Are you able to go and say it? With all the healings that you received, are you able to go outside and say, or are we just saying healings and testimonies right where we are within the people of God? Two types of testimonies are important. Remember, the Bible says, you testify of his greatness in the midst of his congregation, number one, and you testify of his goodness in the midst of the heathen. I will proclaim the wondrous things of the Lord in the midst of the heathen. Why? Because they also need to become heirs of salvation. Don't keep what God has done for you from those who don't have. They need to have what you have. This man stood there. Peter, for what he gave to this man, is suffering, is in prison, is going through threatenings and he's going through warnings later. He would be beaten and he was crucified upside down. He paid a high price. It's not a cool thing to say, oh, it's a cool thing. He raised him up and, and it's a cool thing that he did miracles. It's a cool thing. Well, there's a high price to pay. When you partner with heaven and heaven is pouring power into you you'll have all hell come up against you but heaven is more powerful than hell remember my God is bigger than Satan we need to have the character that comes from God to be able to endure anything and everything but 
if I'm not able to testify to this world what God has done for me, wherever I go, how am I going to come to a place where heaven can trust me and invest eternal things instead of me? And when hell comes against me and I go through some hardship, will I last? So will God give me anything if he sees that I'm not even opening my mouth where I should? This man was there in the open, standing as a witness. Look what Jesus did. This Peter came and this is what he did. Peter has something that he can offer to me and he offered this to me. And as a result of that, I'm whole. He can offer what he has to you too. 5,000 people, 5,000 people came to God. How did that revival take place? Because someone went and told and someone who was healed stood out in the open. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. His healing was a sign to everyone that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Look at me. Jesus is alive. So many of you received so many healings here. How many people have you shared? How many unbelievers have you shared? It's a good thing to give testimony here. It's a good thing. It's important to glorify God in the midst of his people. But how many people have you went and told outside? How many heathens have you reached for Jesus? How many people have you told? This is what Jesus did for me. This is what Jesus did for me. This is what Jesus did for me. You know, this is what people who got healed by Jesus went. They went and published everywhere all the things that Jesus had done for him as a result of the, what happened. A lot of people who were sick came to Jesus and a lot of people got healed. God is speaking to our hearts today. Heaven's involvement in our lives. And God is working and he's dispatching something to his servants. It's important to position ourselves to receive what God has for us by faith. It's important to exercise what we have received by doing what we were not able to do before. Not because you want to receive, no, but because you've received already. It's a deeper concept and I pray that the spirit of God will drive it deep into your spirits. And then, once you've received it, how many people have you reached for Jesus? How many unbelievers have you reached for Jesus? How many unbelievers have you shared what God has done for you? How many people have known your Savior and your healer? How many people have heard what God has done for you and have come to Jesus Christ so that they too can be touched and they too can be blessed by God Almighty? Heaven's involvement in your life and your involvement in receiving what God has for you and your involvement in reciprocating what God has done for you to all those who are around you. As you stand in the middle, you receive from God what God has given. You're accountable to God for what you've received and you exercise what you've received and you walk it out. And you stand as a testimony to God's people and all those who are outside should see your Jesus and come to Jesus. As I conclude tonight, may this word that God has spoken to you work deep in your spirit that you don't leave this place the way you came. That you don't leave this place the way you came. That you don't leave this place the way you came. That you don't leave this place the way you came. You don't leave this place the way you came. You don't leave this place the way you came. God is speaking to you at this hour. Take it very seriously.
take it very seriously. What God has done for you. Let all those around you know. A lot of people will come to Jesus. A lot of people will cause trouble for the servants of God who has given you life, given you healing, has given you that blessing that they've received from God. It's okay. When the enemy tries to give trouble, God will save many more souls. Our joy is in seeing more come to the kingdom of God. This man didn't go into hiding saying that I got healed and praise God and I don't want to be thrown out of the synagogue and so I'm going to run and hide. No, he was right there. Same was that blind man too. The blind man that Jesus healed. He was in the synagogue. He was persecuted by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they're asking, who healed you? Who healed him? He says, well, you want to know? You want to be his disciples too? The Bible says they persecuted him. And guess what happened after that? Jesus came to him. Jesus came to him. Jesus didn't go to every person he healed after that. No, but to this man who endured persecution, Jesus came to him. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world can offer today. Whatever this world can give you today, as the hymn goes, whatever this world can give you, offer you, saying that, well, you be a nice, good believer in church and give all your testimonies when you go outside. Just be a well-behaved Christian who doesn't talk about Jesus and, and just have all your blessings from him. Well, that would be a shame. Because he died for you openly to give you this healing. He suffered for you openly to give you the deliverance. He suffered for you openly. He hung on that cruel cross and took those nails and bore on his body all those stripes. Openly spat on his face and beard pluck and a crown of thorns upon his head. Openly hit on his head. Openly. So that you can get your healing today. You can get your deliverance today. And that's why in his name, you receive that healing. How much more you should have that zeal to go and tell everyone. Some people will listen. Some people will laugh. But is that going to stop you? Is that going to stop you from showing what God has given to you to those who don't have? Some people will say, I want it. And they'll come to God. Others will say, I don't want yours. But because of some people who say, I don't want yours, or some people will even try to persecute you, are you going to keep the treasure that God has given to you from those who are in need? If God would have kept what he had to give to you, where do you think you would be today? God has shown mercy to you. The Bible says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We owe to Calvary everything. And we also need to show mercy to others. When you see someone suffering and God has done something for you, don't play nice. There are a lot of nice people in hell today. Be true to the one who gave us life for you. There are a lot of people who played nice with a lot of other people and have sent them to hell. Let me tell you, they won't forgive you. 
They'll say, how come you went to heaven and you did not tell me this? Oh, well, I thought that you'll be offended. That's what you're going to say on the judgment day. Well, I thought that I'll lose my job. That's what you're going to say on judgment day. Well, who's the one who's feeding you, God or yourself? Well, I thought that they're going to persecute me. Really? May your faith be genuine. May your faith be genuine. Heaven is involved in your life. You need to be someone who responds to the call of heaven and the investment of heaven in you. And in turn, you should be someone who will multiplies that because the king is coming. To whom much is given, much will be required. All that you receive from God, you will have to give an account to God. Are you like this man who unashamedly stood out there when the servants of God were thrown in prison? He was there to show to this world that Jesus is alive. The blind man who stood there when even his own parents who were much older than him did not have the courage to tell the truth even after seeing their own son getting healed after so long. From birth he was blind. But he stood alone. He said, I cannot but speak the truth. Do you have the character for that? To say, I cannot live any other way than the way of the cross. I cannot live any other way than being that real, active, living billboard for Jesus Christ. How about you? As we close our eyes and look to the Lord. Make a commitment to God today. Lord, I've received much from you. I want to be someone who's a living testimony for you. In my words, in my actions, in my mannerisms, in my behavior, I want people to see that you are alive. I want people to know that Jesus is alive. I want to be that living miracle so that others will know that you are there for them too. I'm not going to believe the lie of the enemy saying that they won't like it, he may not like it, they may not like it. And keep the truth from them. Tell the Lord, Lord, I've gotten the truth today. That anytime God wants to do something big, Satan will come and speak contrary to that. Immediately you should know that I could go opposite to that because God wants me to do this and the enemy doesn't want me to. Go opposite to that spirit of fear. Go opposite to the spirit of lie. Go opposite. Hallelujah. Do what God wants you to do. And see God's kingdom expand within you. Hallelujah. And expand through you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for being such a miracle-working God. When so many people are dying, when so many people are perishing, when so many people are hurting, when so many people are suffering, 
when we have the truth, when we have the miracle working God with us, how can we keep it to ourselves? Oh, Father, I pray that you will touch your people at this hour. Touch your people at this hour. I pray that you work in them by the working of the Holy Spirit. That they may be active and proactive in being living testimonies. Not only in the house of God, but among those who don't know you. So that they too can receive what they have received. Thank you, Father. Let not those who despise and reject become the focus of your people. May they focus on those who need you. May they focus on those who need healing. May they focus on those who are looking for you. Lord, let your people have their focus on eternal things and focus on where the need is. Not where there's no need. Thank you, Father. Strengthen your people at this hour. May the strength of the Almighty God cause them to flourish. Bless their families. Bless their marriages. Bless their children. Bless their finances. Bless their going out and their coming in. That they may stand as signs and wonders to the great and awesome power and love of the Lord Jesus Christ. May your word continue to work in them, Father. May they take the truths that you have given to them, Father. All these truths, O oh Lord, are so precious. May it stay with them for the rest of their lives. That they may be partakers of your blessings. That they may be partakers of eternal life. That they may become the cause for many to become partakers of eternal life. With this blessing, I bless them with, as you serve in standing in the presence of God, before the throne of God, according to the power and authority given to me by the Almighty God, I bless your people with a heart that would yearn, hunger, and thirst after the living God, with a heart that would satisfy the thirst of the living God, that many be brought from darkness to light, Many be healed from their pain and from their suffering. Many, many more may know the truth and be set free. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Hallelujah. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God the Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit rest and remain with you all, now and until we see Jesus face to face. Amen.